0: welcome to the good growing podcast i am chris enroth horticulture educator with university of illinois extension coming at you from a cloudy rainy spring-like macomb illinois uh and we have got a great show for you folks today we've got a hostful episode uh so it's me ken and katie and we are going to be talking about what is growing on going on in our home yard gardens or what we're getting ready for in the vegetable garden landscaping and we have your questions that have come into extension offices that we will be answering. Uh, so let's get it, things kicked off and introduce uh, local foods educator Katie Parker in Adams County. Hi, Katie.
1: Hey Chris, how are things going for you?
0: Not too bad, you know, um, off of a really nice weekend this last time. And, you know, we've got some plants that we've put in the ground, it seems... All right, maybe it felt like a really long winter. I'm not sure, but it just seems like, wow, we're finally planting something. This is pretty amazing. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well, yeah. It's nice to get outside and see all the changes that are occurring with our, our nice weather that we have.
0: I, I know I'm, I'm kind of like, um, you know, should I be getting out the, the summer clothes yet? But I'm like, hold on, hold on. This is Illinois. We're in the Midwest it could snow tomorrow. So, you know, <laughs> keep that in mind. I've always remember that.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: And I know our resident Viking here, Ken Johnson, horticulture educator, um, who probably could maybe stand for a little bit more cooler weather. Uh, uh, welcome to the podcast,
2: Ken. <laughs> Thank you. I had, I had to put sunscreen on yesterday. I'm not too excited about that.
0: Yep. Yep. Uh, you, uh, that beard's going to be the next thing to go
2: right yeah it's gonna it's gonna start getting too hot for a, for a beard here soon so <laughs> i have to trim it down my, my mom it... my mom will be happy <laughs>
1: you could just put it in a ponytail.
2: i can do that too Braided. maybe i'll maybe i'll shave it live on on camera during a podcast or something you should do that
0: for the next one with dennis bowman our boss and just mid-podcast just start shaving while he's talking think that would be a good episode I think, think about I think it. maybe the last episode so
1: <laughs> for Ken at least
0: <laughs> for Ken <laughs> Dennis I don't know what he's up to I, I don't know he must
1: <laughs> <laughs> don't listen to past podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. well uh Ken and Katie what has been going on in your your home gardens this time of year I mean I I will say for myself We planted out our broccoli this weekend. We planted uh, spinach starts, we planted lettuce starts. And then I seeded some more spinach, turnips, uh, beets, uh, even seeded some carrots in a pot that my child then overturned. And so I no carrots this year, I suppose. Uh, But yeah, uh, Katie, are you planting anything in the vegetable garden this year?
1: Uh, So I started some tomatoes and peppers inside on friday um i haven't gotten any cool season crops out yet i really need to uh work our raised bed so that's where i'll probably put like some lettuce uh, i planted some garlic in there last year and i don't know i think i'd like to plant some onions as well um but i need to work that so i've kind of been a, a lazy composter this year uh it's just off the side of our deck, and so I've been dumping our compost stuff into that flower bed um, so I really need to, to mix it up and get that uh, incorporated before I can get some planting done.
2: I've,
0: I've let a lot of my stuff so I, we did a lot of arborist wood chips last year first year in our house so we were kind of just establishing beds and I dug down and a lot of those wood chips have already decomposed you know I'd say we put on like four inches worth we maybe only have like an inch worth now on top and the rest is Composted. So i I was pretty That's happy. Awesome. That. Yeah. Yeah. So Ken, the the magical plants this year, remind us, you've already mentioned it. Um, you guys always grow cool things. Last year was cotton and um, oh oak, not okra. Peanuts, peanuts, cotton and peanuts. Okra and cotton look very similar flower-wise. So okay.
2: But what's so the, this year? <laughs> peanuts and, and cotton are, are making a comeback this year. So we've got those started. We started those. Late February. So I've already potted those up into larger <laughs> cells. I did that this weekend. Uh, we are also doing marshmallow. Um, so those have you know, planted those early March. And then rice. Since that's like 150 days, the type we have to harvest, I planted those, started those again in late February, early March, and they already got too big for our grow rack. Um, so I put that in a pot. And I've saved some seeds. So we're probably going to start some here, probably mid-April or so to transplant outside just because they grew so big so fast. Um, so those are those are the magical plants this year is marshmallow and rice. <clears throat> we'll see how that goes. And then outdoors, uh, we planted some peas a couple weeks ago. Those are starting to come up. Uh, we got our onion transplants in, shipped to us last week, so I put those out in the garden this weekend. And then other seed starting stuff we've got peppers those are coming up tomatoes started this weekend and cosmos zinnia um, all that stuff so we're got a few more things we're going to start from seed here in a couple of weeks but we've got a good chunk of our our stuff started that we're going to start indoors
0: i need to know more about this rice ken so do you start i mean is this just regular started up like a typical seed you would in a like a cell and a some potty media
2: that's what I'm doing. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but <clears throat> that's, I think a lot of them, it says direct seed, but I wanted to get a little bit of a head start just because it's a long growing season and I want to make sure I've got time to actually get it to mature and stuff. So, yeah, the stuff we planted is way too big and it's getting kind of yellow and, and not looking too great. So, that's put that in a pot with regular potting mix. Um, it's got some fertilizer in it. So, hopefully, that will help perk that stuff back up. And then I'll do another seeding here in a few weeks, just to play around with it. This may be a a two-year process in case I really screw it up this year.
0: Well, Last year, Katie helped me out with uh, some turf uh, chores. Uh, Let me borrow her uh, core aerator, uh, which worked magnificently. Walking around on my lawn, I feel like it's uh, much softer and, and spongy, so that's great. Thank you, Katie, for that.
1: Yeah, no problem. Anytime.
0: So I'd say my next yard project, though, is I have to level out lawn so I'm going to be building a uh, something I can drag behind the mower with like a board and a chain link fence to then drag some topsoil or compost to level out some wheel ruts so do you guys have any yard chores big things coming up in your yard
2: I should probably won't do them but (laughs) so our, our our quarantine puppy is now a year old and 90 pounds and she likes to dig so we've got lots of Holes in the yard that you step in, you're going to break your legs. So we need to start filling those. And <clears throat> the yard wasn't in very good shape before she came around, but I'm not really sure if it's worth <laughs> trying to get it all fixed up because she's just going to destroy it anyway.
1: Yeah, we have um, we have quite a few bare spots or thin spots in our backyard, um, so we really need to overseed that. We did our front yard last year um, in the fall, so I think we're going to try to work on the backyard this year um we have some spots on the side of our yard that are under a tree which uh it i don't think it gets too much shade i don't think that's the issue it seems like we have a lot of clay in that area and so i really hope to top dress with some uh compost and kind of get that built up uh so it's not so hard and clay like on that side of the yard um so we did aerate that again we had quite a bit of moisture in the soil uh, last week from the rains. Um, So we did that Friday and uh, hope to top dress with some compost soon, as soon as we can um, get some access from our local uh, composting facility. And then um, hopefully we can get that seeded uh, beginning of May, or April, probably, beginning April.
0: I think that's kind of we're waiting on too is just uh, waiting on the the um, our local landscaper uh, getting a, a load of compost delivered to our place too. Yeah, it's kind of like the but uh, they're they're still sort of I think recovering from the fact that um, you know we could have we could again as I said we could have snow and a lot of them do snow removal mm-hmm. so a lot of them have half their fleet in still snow mode. Um, the others are transitioning back over into summer mode, landscaping and such. So, um, yeah, I know they're, they're very busy this time of year. And especially now that we've had such beautiful weather this part of March. So, so busy. And you probably notice I'm like sneezing and blowing my nose this whole time. I have allergies like crazy. I've never had them this early this year. So, I don't know, guys, what is blooming right now <laughs> in, in your neck of the woods?
2: So, and in, in our yard, some of our maples are starting to bloom. Not that that's what's causing your allergies, but um, crocus and stuff, you know, walking around the neighborhood, all the daffodils are starting to bloom and um, and stuff, so I'm not sure. I don't think any of those would be causing your allergies, but
0: I don't know, but like when we moved out to Kansas, I've had allergies since like junior high school in the spring, only the spring, and when we moved out to Kansas, never had them, and Kansas has far fewer shade trees large trees in general. So I'm wondering, is there a, something with pollen? But I've, I've noticed the maple flowers with the recent rain have all a lot of them been knocked off the trees. So they're they're opening up. Um, and our forsythia in our backyard is blooming right now. that I've noticed. So Katie, how about in, in the Adams County Quincy area?
1: Yeah, all I've really seen is our maple trees and our spring bulbs. Um, our daffodils really started blooming this week. And then I've seen some um, we were walking in my parents' yard yesterday, and my mom had crocuses blooming as well. There are hazelnuts
2: blooming, which is kind of a cool little, really small little red, looks like little red tendrils coming out of the branches.
0: Yeah, there's something that's triggering it. I visited my parents in Quincy, and um, then that was Sunday, and I just remember, like, my eyes were itching. My throat was itching. I'm like, I just kept eating food because it feels good to swallow when you have, like, an itchy throat. <laughs> I paid for it later that night. In my indigestion. So
2: maybe it's mold.
0: <clears throat> yes, could be. Could be mold because uh, those things also bloom uh, and have a seasonality to them. So
2: it's been, it's been nice and moist. So, right. Yeah. Releasing spores.
0: Yeah. So, kind of speaking on the, the idea of lawn care, and I know we're, we're going to get into this a little bit later with some of our questions. Katie, you wrote an article last week about lawn care. And so I mean, in terms of where we're at right now, are, are we, should we be getting out right now and throwing down the grass seed? Uh, I know, I mean, maybe right now when this comes out, it would be more, it would be a better time frame. but I mean, we're talking about first week of March, people are doing this stuff.
1: Right, um, I would say definitely the first week of March was a little too early uh, to be doing a lot of our lawn maintenance. Um, I would probably start to, wait until the beginning of April to get that started, especially with things like, um, you seeding your lawns. Um, I also discussed like fertilizer use on our lawns. That's something a lot of people think of doing in the spring. Um, but it's one of those things where, uh, we want that lush green lawn. Um, and so we apply those fertilizers and and we see that, but what we're doing, really doing is we're kind of hurting ourselves for later in the season. So um, we're pretty much spoon feeding those plants uh, and we're not allowing them to become more durable. Uh, So they're not growing the roots down quite as deep as we would like them to. So if we, once we get to like June, July, when we start to dry out, um, those plants aren't going to be able to survive quite as well because they don't have that deep root system uh, so if you can hold off for a bit um, a lot of times i think in our subdivisions or around um, well manicured areas it's kind of a competition like who can have the best looking yard or uh, who can get the yard green quicker um, that's a, a good achievement but if you can hold off on it um, it might help you out in the long run
0: yeah, unfortunately, I'm the only one in my neighborhood in the dandelion competition club. I'm trying to get the most dandelions in my yard. I'm winning, but I don't think anyone else is competing with me, so. <laughs> I'll compete with you. There you go. You'll always
1: be number one. <laughs> number dandelions one dandelions. and
2: Creeping Charlie.
0: Oh, yeah, I and I don't mind Creeping Charlie as long as I can mow it. But I will say, I was looking up uh, some uh, lawn seed, and if you want more of the... Uh, Flower mixture. They have bred pink dandelions, and so that is my next thing I want to try: is pink blooming dandelions.
2: I saw some of those in seed catalogs. I thought about getting some. I didn't make the cut this year.
0: No, no. Next year, next year. Blooming dandelions. All right. So Ken, you had also had mentioned that you've started tomato seeds. I, I'm, I, I usually wait till like the first week of April to start my tomatoes, um, and then usually I'll plant them out by that first or second week of May. So it, at, it always happens though. I get these like thin leggy seedlings. Do either of you have any tips for me on my tomatoes? That's because they're like stretch and they're like bend over. And then, you know, they're, they're intertwining with each other. What, what can I do to get like stronger, thicker tomato stems?
2: Lots of light, light is your friend, the more light you have, the, in general, the shorter they'll be, and then you'll have those thicker stems. A lot of times when you get those spindly plants because you don't have enough light and they're kind of stretching for it. And if they're getting intertwined, I would <clears throat> I'd assume you do this, probably thin them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I plant my tomato seeds, I usually put two or three seeds, depending on how many seeds I have, two or three seeds per cell, just so I make sure I have at least one in every one. And then I'll go through. Typically when they start getting their first true leaves, I'll go in and, and thin those out to the one I like the most. So that, that's kind of how I do it. And then if they do get long and spindly, you can always plant them in a trench. They're one of those, those few plants where you can plant deeper than you normally, than they were growing in their container because they'll form roots along that stem. And that's a good way to get a nice big root system on them too.
0: Okay. I will have to look at my my supplemental lighting system. So I, I like peeked under there earlier uh, in the week and I noticed I have the, just as a shop light, you know, nothing fancy. One of, there's two tubes in there. One of the tubes is uh, dimly lit. And so maybe that could be my problem. I need to replace my
2: bulbs. Yeah, I've got some that I've used for a couple of years now, and I probably need to replace them because they're getting, compared to the newer, the new bulbs, those old ones are are pretty dim. You don't necessarily notice it if they're all kind of the same age, but when you compare them to a brand new bulb, it's. It's pretty noticeable how much more dim they are.
0: Bite the bullet and get LEDs.
2: Good. I do have one that we um, overwinter our our more tropical plants, our citrus and, and stuff like that under. Makes our, our bedroom nice and pink. <laughs> <laughs> Makes it look like we're growing some illicit plants or something like that. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Then the, you get a knock at the door, power company's like, what's going on? Now?
2: So one thing, I don't know what if you two have done this yet, but one thing I did a little bit this weekend was starting to do a little bit of a garden cleanup. Um, still left all kind of those leaves in place in my ornamental beds, but some of the, like my cone flowers and stuff, I started cutting back those seed heads uh, that I had left uh, kind of sit during the winter for that winter interest and, and the seeds for the birds and stuff. Um, Cause when I was out, I think it was last weekend, noticed some bees kind of buzzing around around the flower stalks i think maybe they were looking for somewhere to nest so i cut back some of those flower stalks left you know foot 18 inches behind so some of that stuff can nest in in it so you guys done any cleanup yet in your beds yet So
0: right i'll say ken the few things that i have done so far this spring is i've 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 raked up some some extra mulch and kind of moved it around a little bit because i've had some i had I've mentioned this before on the show and earlier uh, we had excess mulch on our old, brand new perennial bed that we made so places where it's kind of composted down and we're very thin I've kind of shifted things around a bit um uh, but otherwise I, I my wife she keeps saying like we need to go get plants we need to plant stuff and I'm like no it's only March stop don't don't tempt me so um you know trying to stay uh, as far away as I can from the the hand pruners but I oh one thing I did do is I did do some pruning on an oak tree uh, last week because um, usually you want to do that while they're dormant and it kind of it's a little late but kind of got away from me this year but I was like it's still dormant I can still prune it so I pruned off of some lower limbs on a pin oak um, just with a handsaw and and loppers nothing nothing serious nothing requiring like the use of a like a cherry picker and a chainsaw so it's pretty light pruning for me, um, so some pruning, some moving around, some mulch, uh, but yeah, that's about it. Because l- last show, Ken, you're like, leave everything alone. <laughs> the bees, <laughs> you must save those overwintering bees and your ornamental grasses. So I, I'm gonna wait until I see that regrowth occur, but probably later on in April, I think,
2: maybe May. Yeah, a few of my punches I saw some some green growth, so I cut a few of those back. I've, I still left, you know, some of that at the bottom, but mm-hmm. some of mine were starting to green up
0: already. The growing degree days I've checked um, before the show, we were talking about it. And we're, we're still kind of on track for where we normally are. Um, so our soil temperature right now, or, or it was yesterday before the rain, was 45 degrees Fahrenheit. So that seems to be tracking pretty well uh, with where we typically are.
1: Yeah, so um, we've done. We've started a little bit of lawn cleanup. Um, we trimmed one of our trees because it was um, not doing well. I had quite a few branches that were crossing. So we helped it out there. We also have a pin oak in our backyard who never lost its leaves last fall. Um, and then our neighbor has the same issue. Uh, so we've been getting some leaf, dro- leaf dropping um, this spring. So I've been trying to clean that up because um, we're, we're to the, I guess, all the leaves blow into our yard. Mm-hmm. So it's just like a, a mess. Um, so clean that up a bit. Uh, what else did we do? We have a lot of things that are coming up. Our sedum, know mums mumps are starting to come up. A lot of our daylilies. Um, so it's just kind of been, I don't know, it's fun to look at. So, I, you know, you just kind of, um, move the dead plant tissue away from the the base of the new growing uh, plant so just that but I'm following Ken's rules to try to keep things in place until uh until April time frame
2: my work is done I've convinced two people <laughs> <laughs>
0: you can retire now Ken <laughs>
1: Success story right there.
0: Yes. (laughs) Well, we also are a question and answer show. And so uh, coming in, you know, we have lots of questions that come into the Extension office, uh, uh, whether it's by phone, by email, social media, lots of uh, different avenues to get a hold of us. So, uh, Ken and Katie, if you wouldn't mind answering some of these questions uh, over the show, please. Sounds good. Well, this first question here, this is for Ken. Um, This comes in uh, someone asking about their tree fruit. They're wanting to know. At this time of year, we're looking at early spring. What type of maintenance should they be doing right now for their tree fruit? They're asking: Should they start fertilizing? Should they be pruning it? Should they be spraying something? What is the? Uh, what, what are the action items here for uh, tree fruit in the backyard?
2: Yeah, so ideally, you should have, you should be done with your pruning by now because we're probably getting pretty close to um, that bud swell and the the flowers and and the leaves are starting to those buds are starting to swell and it's starting to grow. So Hopefully you've done that if you haven't, I would go out and check your buds and make sure they're not swelling. and if they're not, get on that ASAP. Um, this time of year, you know, again, this is kind of depend on the plant and where you're at. We can still do some of our dormant sprays. Again, if you don't have, you know, leaves starting to emerge, stuff like that. So um, with like peach leaf curls, some of these other diseases, uh, really the only time way we can control them is with uh, dormant sprays. Um, kind of same thing with apple, um, some of our, our scale insect issues, um, fire blight kind of getting on top of that. Uh, and then as those those plants start to emerge from their dormancy, you get get our, our green tips, our leaves starting to emerge and, and flowers and stuff. Then we're going to start picking up a lot of our um, disease management um, for those. because Early spring is kind of the critical time for a lot of our diseases, making sure we're getting good coverage on those trees to prevent... Um, those diseases from getting established uh, in our plantings and stuff. And then you may do a little bit of that insect spray to begin. And then when, the, when plants are blooming, obviously we're not spraying those for insects. But then after that, uh, we start getting into our cover sprays for our insect and more of our, and our, as well as our diseases and stuff. We just kind of continue that uh, throughout the year. Um, fertilizing, you can put down some nitrogen um, this time of year. Um, as far as you know, other nutrients, you know, your phosphorus potassium, I'd probably do a soil test to see if it's needed. If you're a little larger operation, uh, typically that they do um, soil or uh, leaf tissue analysis. So they've sampled leaves and send those off for analysis to see what the nutrient levels are like um, in those. Mm-hmm. You could do that as a homeowner, that may be a little bit overboard, but and that would be an option. But typically really the only thing you add is nitrogen yearly. And if you haven't done, you know, if you've got a lot of leaves left over from last year, kind of in your home orchard, so to speak, or if you've got any mummies, any of those fruit that are still on the tree, particularly if they were diseased, you want to get all that stuff out of there so you don't have that source of disease, that inoculum for this coming year, especially those mummies. Any, any fruit on the ground, any fruit on the tree is still, you need to get that out, out of your landscape. I wouldn't recycle those, put those in the lawn waste to go out or if you don't have lawn waste available and you can burn, burn those or bury them. So that stuff's not getting back onto your trees.
0: I always love learning about the mummified fruit, the mummies, because for some reason in my head, I just picture like those Egyptian style mummies, like (laughs) wrapped in um, toilet paper walking around the orchard. So it always made me smile in class when the professor kept talking about mummies and mummies this and mummies that I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's mummified fruit. So that's that's really good information in in terms of that. And the other thing I remember is peach leaf curl that always is a question that comes in every single late spring and it's like it's too late you know Is not much you can do right now it was really a like a an early dormant oil spray for the to keep that yeah. from happening
2: and once your bud starts falling, there's nothing you can do about it
0: all right well our next uh question here is for katie and this is about this the so just the cute lovable adorable moles and then the ugly atrocious bulls with a v so i you can tell I like moles, but not bulls. Um, so they, a lot of questions have been coming in, uh, and this is pretty common after winter too, about a mole and bull damage. Moles start getting more active this time of year. Bulls are active all winter long. So what can people be doing about this right now, Katie, in, in their yards?
1: Yeah, so typically the recommendation is to remove their habitat as well as their food source. So for habitat, um, you want to make sure that you don't have any like tall weeds or any, um, brush piles hanging around, uh, cause that gives them a nice place to live. A lot of people think, oh, if I have a mole issue, then I probably have a grub issue. And so they're going to control grubs in their lawn. Um, however, that's maybe not always the best thing, um, cause a lot of our grub control pro products kill most insects in our lawn. And so we want to keep those beneficial insects around. Um, So you should really see if that's truly an issue. You can dig up a portion of your sod and look underneath of it to see if you have grubs in your lawn. And typically they suggest if you have 10 to 12, I think it's in a square foot, um, then you should uh, look at control Tactics for those grubs, Um, but I don't know. I hate to. I saw a a grub control bag this weekend at one of the box stores, and it says kills all insects. I'm like, oh no! It makes you cringe Um, because we do have a lot of good insects in our soil, and you know um, they're there for a reason, and they can really benefit us uh, throughout the growing season. So I really hate to just automatically go to grub control. Um, we have used traps for moles in the past. We first started out with one trap, um, and we didn't have great success. So we upped it to two traps and we would go out either in the evening and the mornings so and we could, we could see fresh runs just based off of a change in soil color. Um, and so then we would put, so typically they, they, um, will reuse their runs, And so that fresh run is something that they'll most likely reuse uh, soon after. So we put um, a trap on each side of the run. And sure enough, later in the day, uh, we catch a mole. So that was exciting. I know some people say like after excessive trap use that the moles will get used to it, but we caught six moles last year. Um, And so that, I don't know we had good luck with it one thing i did find out too is when you're setting your traps wear gloves uh we were at first just setting it you know uh, but they do say that moles can smell our scent and so uh, we weren't having good success but then we started wearing gloves especially my gloves that i my garden gloves so that had soil on it Um, and i noticed that that kind of helped out a lot too there are some baits you can use i don't know how well those work, um, I've never used them. I have no experience with them. I've heard people talk about like the poisonous worms uh, that they'll put in the, the mole runs and they've had success with that. Like I said, I haven't ever tried them out. Um, moles are pretty smart though, I think. So um, After after over time, after use of some of these things, I do think they get used to it. Um, Like I said, removing um, habitat, so like keeping your grass cut shorter, that allows for birds of prey or snakes to be able to see voles. And so that way they can go um, and harvest those voles to keep them, um, keep the populations down. I've noticed too that uh, cats really help in this. So my mom has issues with uh, moles and voles and uh their cats have gotten two voles within the past two weeks so uh, they're doing a great job at controlling that population as well
0: my cat brought us a couple of voles as well and you can tell they have the shorter tail
1: on them. Mm-hmm. they're mouse like yeah
0: um, yeah so the as, uh, there's a debate between domestic ant cats outside with wildlife but um you know i think one of the reasons why we domesticated them was rodent control and uh, mm-hmm. they can can't play a role in that and snakes are out i saw one the other day uh yesterday actually so yeah uh good size black snake they're out so yeah snakes are your friend um yeah
1: (laughs) did you see the uh the recent flyer that extension put out about snakes
0: yes (laughs) oh uh so support
1: that one (laughs) our very
0: talented graphic designer matt wiley um there's an article about snake Road Snake Den Road, I think it is uh, down in Southern Illinois. They close it every year so the migrating reptiles can move across to their summer habitat. And Matt Wiley put flying snakes on the. It's this guy, and he looks shocked, and there's snakes flying over his head. So, because they're migrating, they're moving. So flying snake sounds terrifying.
2: Yeah, I want to go see that migration sometime. I think it'd be cool to see.
0: Um, If anybody is into social media, uh, you can follow, I think it's Chris Evans. He's our our, uh, forester down in Southern Illinois, Extension Forester. Um, You can follow Illinois Forestry, I think, on Facebook. Um, Another good one is Chris Benda. He works at uh, Carbondale, SIUC. He's a botany instructor down there so he posts a lot of photos of snake den road oh and there is an article on snakes on the uh naturalist news or producer winnie ferguson just put that in the chat box so uh you can uh do a, a quick google search for naturalist news u of i extension and the most recent article is on snakes and this is by chris evans
1: not to be confused with captain america
0: no so but he's chris evans is always a good one to have on the podcast because I always put his name in the tags and I think people are looking for podcasts with the actor, oh. Chris Evans. <laughs> Those ones do really well. <laughs> All right. So I think our next episode we should do on, on snakes. That'll be fun, but I'm not going to be there. Yes, Let's do it. You can hold them. Ken.
2: Sounds good. Okay.
0: I like them. I just don't like being with them. All right, Ken, our next question is from my house. Um, So we have a model train, it was my dad's, uh, from he was a kid that we set up in the winter um, and we put it on a plywood table which sits in the garage all summer long. So we noticed last week, I think it was, that as the the table is still up in the basement, train was still on it and there were bees popping up, random spots, but always in the basement, always near the table. And we noticed as we did more investigating, they are coming out of the wood, that plywood of that table. It's unfinished, just raw plywood. So I'm curious, Ken, um, I think we're, we're working on identifying the bees, we're not quite sure what they are yet, but what should I be doing in this case with the bees coming out in my home and can I keep this from happening?
2: So I guess, you know, if they're coming out in your home you could try putting them outside um, if you've got stuff blooming. Um, <clears throat> that would be an option, you know, if you've got maybe some flowers inside, try that. A lot of it, you know, you have to find them some food somewhere. And and this time of year, that can be a little difficult. Um, I guess as far as going forward and you know, with like carpenter bees and stuff, you know, typically one of the recommendations is painting wood, um, kind of helps prevent them from getting into it. I would assume that would work for other bees too. And like you mentioned, I, we haven't quite figured out what they are yet you may have to catch one and send it to me. Because a lot of the, especially with smaller bees, those can get kind of confusing. A lot of times you gotta start looking at wing venation and, and stuff, because some of the smaller groups, the, they will look very similar to one another, the different genera, and even sometimes the families um, can get kind of muddled and stuff. So I would say probably painting that may go a long way in in preventing them from emerging, uh, from or nesting in that in the future
0: okay so i and i think it's due for painting because it's a model train table so we want to do decorations and landscape stuff on it so yeah we might paint it like a green or maybe maybe white like a base white Different parts green and blue for water
2: you need to incorporate some bees into it now Uh, yes we're
0: gonna have to have little prairie wildflower areas in our train set
2: Same if they if they die on you you can pin them and, and put them in there and monster bees good
0: so the first one that I found did die I put it outside in the garage it was during that cold rainy span of weather I thought I have nowhere to put this thing so I put it in the garage I thought well maybe the cool weather will like slow it down I don't I don't know it, it died so um, the others I put on a, a flowering kale plant that I have in the basement so I don't think they stuck around on that for all I know they um, I don't think they did but I'm sure they're probably dead in a corner somewhere but um my wife was saying oh what if they uh had babies in our studs of our <laughs> home and i'm like no i don't think they did
2: but wouldn't that be ironic yeah yeah with being inside their timing's going to be all thrown off <clears throat> so yeah their, their fate's probably not looking too good
1: is it potential though if he left him in his house would they start like boring into other wood wood features like if you probably had- not there,
2: there's not gonna be any food in there so they're not gonna last too long
0: all right well this next question um there's is also for ken ken you got two two in a row here there's another bee question um so this uh, question they're asking about bees swarming around their bird feeder um and they want to get rid of the bees without harming them and also they note they're allergic to bees so What can they do, I guess, to safely uh, discourage bees at the bird feeder?
2: So I'm assuming it's like a bird feeder with bird seed. So they're probably going after like the dust and stuff um, from that seed. That's going to be kind of a protein source for them early in the year. Again, we don't, this time of year, a lot of times there's kind of a dearth in that that pollen and nectar and stuff. So they'll go to alternative um, food sources like bird seed uh, to collect that dust. again to get that protein i don't really know if there's much you can do about that um you know the dust isn't going to be there there really isn't a way until things really start blooming um, there's probably not much you can do i mean in the future um, providing some early blooming uh, plants would probably go a long way and keeping them away from that so they have those other food sources that are going to be more desirable than that bird seedian and collecting that dust and stuff um, so i probably wouldn't really do much with it they're not gonna bother the the birds or anything like that and maybe the birds will eat a few for you um but yeah i wouldn't be too concerned about it just kind of let them be you leave them alone they'll leave you alone type thing
0: would there be an issue if like the if there's bird seed if that like fermented at all would that be attracting insects perhaps or um would be i don't know bees would go after that but i would imagine flies and things like that would
2: yeah i think that could be a possibility if it was yeah, fermenting giving off some some insects are going to be attracted to that that fermenting decomposing um scent i don't know if bees would be included in that but yeah, depending on the bee if it's honeybees or something they might
0: one visual that came into mind was just bird seed that's been sitting there all winter long and it's just like maybe rotted and might be attracting some insects and, yeah some yeah, people and, think that a fly is a bee
2: so yeah, yeah. and and yeah, if they are if it is actually bees it'd probably be honeybees that's probably gonna be the stuff that's most active. right know there's some other stuff waking up, but as far as real numerous, it's gonna be honeybees cause those are gonna overwinter. And you know when it warms up, they'll start taking flights and, and starting to search for food and stuff.
0: All right, well, our next question is for Katie. Um, Katie, this is a caller. They're asking for more sustainable ways to maintain their lawn. Do you have any tips to give in that?
1: Probably the most sustainable way is to do nothing. Um, you can get some goats and they get just uh, mow your yard for you. And it's a nice cycle. Like they will fertilize the lawn for you as well, um, but goats will eat anything. So there's no really stopping them from eating your landscape plants, uh, but on a more serious side. Uh, yeah. I mean, it depends on what level of maintenance you want to do. So if you want a well-manicured yard, um, but you don't want the inputs of like chemicals or fertilizers. Uh, there are some more natural ways of doing that. So like I had mentioned uh, before aeration. So a lot of times we have issues with weeds growing in uh, areas of our lawn where grass won't grow. So if you have compaction issues, uh, if you drive your car on your lawn or, um, things like that, you can have issues with compaction. And so if you were to aerate your lawn, that can help uh, alleviate any compaction issues that you might have going on. Um, And that might make it a better area for your grass to grow in. Um, You can also overseed your lawn to increase your grass stand, which is gonna provide competition to any weeds that might be growing in your yard um let's see as for like fertilizing you could use compost which can help build up like it'll add organic matter to your soil which can help build your soil health um, which is going to promote uh good root development good which will help with um your grass looking nice and green also mowing can impact that as well um so Typically, what is the the height that you want, Chris? It's like two and a half to three inches is your most desirable height. Yeah, uh,
0: it's uh, I would say it depends a bit on species. Kentucky bluegrass likes two to three inches tall fescue can go a little higher than that. Even though.
1: Yeah. And so knowing kind of your best practices for managing those different species can help as well. Um, I'm noticing a lot of um, a lot of like. Uh, not not necessarily dead, but more dormant lawns still, and so there's a potential that um, those could be warmer season grasses growing there. Uh, a lot of times, uh, we notice what's turning green first, and so um, if if you have weeds, there's a good chance that uh, those are greening up nicely. Uh, so if you had to, if you were to aerate and then overseed, you could potentially introduce some cool season grasses, uh, which would help with some uh green, earlier greening up of your lawn as well as providing competition to those weeds you guys have any other input
2: embrace the weeds <laughs> just just give up and let them grow yeah that's the approach i take i have a nice green lawn right now except for where the nimble well is which is warm season but
1: right sometimes too like good stress relief for me is um we, we don't like, I think the lady before us had a lawn maintenance company come take care of her lawn. Uh, so we don't have any issues with weeds or anything yet. Occasionally we'll get the, um, dandelion here and there. Um, and I'll usually leave it, leave it be. Um, but if I've had a stressful day, like that's something that's a great stress reliever Is go take some dandelions. Um, one of my friend's moms, she used to always just let the dandelions bloom, and then she would just go pop the heads off of them or pop the flowers off before they could put seed heads on and disperse. So all kinds of different tactics.
0: I would just say, do you need all of that lawn and figuring out ways to eliminate portions of lawn? uh, Being at a a family get-together over the weekend, and there was a few new houses built in that subdivision there where my Sister lives and what was once all trees, it was all forested around a lake, is all the trees are gone. And there's these large houses on these large lots. And in the in between is just turf grass. It's all turf grass. So I think doing a real self assessment and thinking do I want to either mow all this or pay someone to mow all this and maintain it? Or can we eliminate some of this? Do like a no mow lawn, prairie plot, uh, pollinator garden. Uh, or replant some some trees. So yeah I, I think also just thinking about how can you eliminate some lawn uh, would be another just that's the route I, I'm seeing more of because it, it looks like you know it, it, this is a typical development pattern. Uh, we strip off all the trees uh, and we call it like oak hollow road and all the oaks are gone and it's replaced by Kentucky bluegrass. So um, I love lawns. I love a good Freshly manicured lawn, but I'm also highly, maybe hyper aware of the fact we have way too much lawn now in our, our subdivision, our living area. So think about that. And also on the goats, yes, we should all have a, a pack of goats in the backyard. Or some llamas. Some get some llamas.
1: Alpacas. Mm-hmm. They're very soft.
0: I, I'm, I almost became a goat herder. Um, one during the Great Recession, where I couldn't find a job. I'm like, well, I can hire goats and do landscaping. Um, and the, so, a, a, a small, like six head herd of, of goats, uh, you could charge, I think it's about $600 an acre for invasive species removal. That's pretty good chunk of change. So, there's
2: mm-hmm. your side hustle right there.
0: There you go. All right. My kids, they're going to become goat herders. Ken, our final question. We have touched on. Grub control already when we're talking about moles, uh, but this, so this is a person. Um, actually, looks like a couple different people have been uh, calling in about grub control. Should they be doing it right now, um, or when should this be happening for grub control?
2: Yeah, so I think for typically when people are controlling grubs, they're going after Japanese beetles. Um, that that can, seems to be kind of the most prevalent uh, grub around, at least that I've heard about. And this time of year really isn't a good time. For them, they're, they're fairly large, they're not going to be doing a tremendous amount of feeding uh, before they pupate and turn into adults. So typically, if you're if you have issues with your grubs in your own, again, like Katie said, you want to sample and make sure that's actually the cause of it. Again, doing a square foot area peeling that grass back. And when you do that, if you've got a, a patch of dead grass that you think may be caused by grubs, kind of do that on the margin, where you have both the healthy and the, the dying stuff pull that back and see if you actually have grubs in there or if it's some other issue. Um, And if it is grubs, um, if you want to know what type of grub it is, you can look at the raster pattern, which is a series of hairs on the hind end. um, And those are specific to species. So if if you really want to know what species is, you can figure that out. Um, If you want more information, you can email me and I'll let you know how to do it. Um, It has a a webinar
0: all about looking at grub
2: butts. It's it's a good party trick. (laughs) Maybe if you don't want people to show up at your parties, then you can do it. And uh, you don't have to worry about it anymore.
0: <laughs> oh, no. Cool people showing up at your parties.
2: I'll come to your parties if you do it. Yes. Which, which may not be too enticing. <laughs> um, but so, you know, you can look for those grabs and see if you actually have them. And if they are reaching that threshold point, um, then you would treat for them. And typically, we're going to do that in in the in the summer, um, July, August, when those Japanese beetles are laying their eggs, those eggs are hatching, and those grubs are starting to feed. Um, that's one that's going to be most effective um, for like Japanese beetles in particular. Um, so you could do it this time of year, but it's going to have limited use. And again, you know, with Japanese beetles, you know, if you're treating your lawn to kill the Japanese beetle grubs, that's not going to do anything for the adults uh, because the adults can fly. So almost everybody in the whole town is going to kill them all. Kill off all the grubs. They're going to fly in from elsewhere.
0: I can't wait to see what kind of summer we have when it comes to Japanese beetles. It always, so it could be like a gambling, uh, a little side hustle too, you know. So, what are the odds on the Japanese beetle explosion this summer?
2: See, last year we didn't have, at least in Jacksonville, area we didn't have. I don't even know if I had any questions. Didn't have very many hmm. questions, and at least in my yard, I granted I don't grow a lot they like but even my sweet corn i had very few issues um with japanese beetles
0: looks uh, who knows maybe populations are evening out with the the japanese beetle uh here in our neck of the woods i know the wave hit us a few years ago and, and maybe that that population surge is is leveling out well that was a lot of great information and a lot of fun talking about what we got going on in our yards and answering some of the home yard lawn and garden questions uh that are coming in our own extension offices so well ken katie thank you very much for being on this hostful episode uh for the good
1: growing yeah thanks for joining us
2: thank you as always it was fun let's do this
1: again next week
0: oh we shall do this again next week we're going to be talking with uh, dennis bowman uh so dennis is the interim director for a and r which stands for agriculture and natural resources with u of i extension he is our boss we've had a lot of bosses on the show he's our other boss um uh, dennis is uh, gonna be talking about drones and agriculture and some of this other like cool i don't know uh, 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 bots that go out and zap your weeds in the that it's amazing so can't wait It'll be fun listeners thank you for doing what you do best and that is listening or watching this on youtube watching and as always keep on growing